This is the Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast. It is episode 18, Monday, September 26, 2022. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Insight and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Joining us on the podcast today, Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist. Welcome. Thank you. Jason Cooper, a trader and research analyst. Welcome to you. Thank you. And Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Danny. Today, we wanted to hit upon kind of more of a hot button issue in terms of investing, which is international investing. It's kind of the area that hasn't performed very well, especially since the financial crisis. And we wanted to take a look as a team and dig into it a little bit. So from a strength perspective, I think the biggest strength when we look internationally, especially in emerging market, is natural resources. There's areas of the world that we desperately need when it comes to all of the EV stuff and trying to modernize, you know, our energy system, especially thinking that California, you know, is pushing that ball on making all EV vehicles in the next decade or so. Areas like China, Chile lead the world with lithium and other natural resources that we need. So that is an area that's here to stay for outperformance, in my opinion, for the next five years. We're going to have a good floor underneath natural resource performance. A recession could put a damper on it, but the infrastructure issues come to the forefront. We have a shortage of certain types of natural, in particular oil, as a matter of fact, and then uh, you probably got a floor under how far down, for example, oil prices or other metals prices can fall. You know, you're seeing a low in oil this morning. And you think about some of the investment themes over the last year, and one of them being the metaverse. Well, living living digitally requires an enormous amount of natural resources like copper, where there's projected to be tremendous supply deficits going into the future. Yeah, I think even one more strength to add on top of that is diversification. When you look at trying to lower the correlation of the assets in your portfolio, a really good active manager is able to find companies that are internationally located, but also only deal internationally within their own country as well, too. And then areas in terms of like the dollar that we've seen has strengthened so much over the last couple of years, that's not going to be impacted as much for them. And they're going to provide some ballast in the portfolio because they're going to move differently than the U.S. companies. That's a great point because year to date, you're going to constantly be hearing this and in, in this looking backward bias of how poor diversification worked because bonds and stocks were down. You've got to think of it in terms of looking forward. So diversification is going to help you out here in terms of international bonds, et cetera, that these were not real great performers year to date. Neither was U.S. stocks, but you're going to benefit from the diversification aspect. I think moving on to weaknesses, the dollar strength that's been so good for the U.S. has hurt international companies. Jason, you've done a lot of really good work on the currency moves and stuff. Almost every single day we see another currency fall victim to king dollar. Recently, it was the Great Britain pound last week. Now we see the Swiss franc getting hit this morning. It's just this persistent strength from king dollar. And when you think about it, from uh, what does that mean to global growth, you can kind of think about the fact that as the reserve currency, Despite the fact that the United States is only 25% of global GDP, about 85% of global trade is priced in dollars. So when other currencies weaken, they need more dollars in order to maintain the same standards of living due to the fact that all these goods and services are priced in dollars. So not only does it kind of set us apart for having this drag when we look at the companies reporting that are located domestically from currency translation impacts, but it also will impact the demand that we see on a global basis from all these foreign countries. Right. I might add that while that might be a weakness, 
you can turn into a strength. So these multinationals are having problems on the demand side in terms of revenue. You know, their revenue is denominated in foreign currency. That'll come back, and we'll talk about that in terms of opportunity. But the other point that about the dollar weakness ties into yields, especially smaller emerging market, less developed countries have to raise their interest rates to keep their currencies from weakening significantly. So it puts pressure on them. And if they don't, they have their own inflation problem because of their weaker currencies. Definitely a weakness. It sounds like a strength, dollar strength, but it's definitely a weakness worldwide. Yeah, and it's really been a, a strength for the U.S. because we've been able to export a lot of the inflation that we would have had if our dollar wasn't as strong. So we think of how expensive stuff, stuff has gotten here. It'd be much worse if the dollar wasn't reacting the way that it has been, too. Now, moving on to opportunities, this is probably the biggest area in my mind when we look internationally and, and emerging markets is that it's it's always kind of that world of opportunities, right? You know, especially since the financial crisis where U.S. has outperformed by over 200 percent versus international indexes during that time. But there are time periods where it's the other way. You think of the 2000s where the S&P was largely flat, but international EM killed the U.S. from a performance standpoint. I know in conversations I have with clients, that's often forgotten in terms of why do we hold international stocks at all. And you have to think back to some of those periods where they do have a lot of strength and, and frankly, could outperform tremendously going forward, especially if the dollar, you know, reverses course like we've talked. Right. That takes place over a longer period, five years. You could have five years of outperformance. And the, the key there is the Fed starts holding back on raising rates. That's a signal or sign that the, the dollar should weaken. That dollar weakens. It benefits these emerging market countries. It benefits emerging market investing. Uh, so you got sort of the wind behind your back in terms of the currency, and it benefits the, the local markets. The other thing I might add, though, speaking of opportunities, these countries are not indebted like the U.S. and, and Western Europe. They, you've got debt-to-GDP ratios exceeding 100%. That was only a Japan situation for 20 years, and now you've got every Western developed country over 100%. The emerging market countries, less than 100%, more manageable, 40%, 50%. they are in much better shape to be able to handle global growth. And, and Jason, you were just talking before about the demographics and other benefits to emerging market investing. Yeah, they typically have younger populations, so expect higher rates of real GDP growth on a go-forward basis. As you highlighted, lower levels of debt uh, Reinhardt and Rogoff had that seminal paper about how when debt to GDP exceeds 90%, you get a slowdown in the potential for an economy's growth. So the fact that they have younger populations, lower levels of indebtedness, and then to Matt's point, you, usually some strong natural resource reserves, it's it's really three significant tailwinds that, that could lead them to be really good diversifiers on a go-forward basis. Right. I think another opportunity, too, is for active management. This is an area where it's such a diverse population, such diverse from political standpoints from one country to another country, that having a good active manager can provide a ton of value. You know, thinking of some of the active managers that we use internally, you know, they were largely out of Russia or not even invested at all in Russia last year already before anything even happened this year. One, when we had the conversation with them, you could tell that there was political turmoil t coming, 
but also from a standpoint of when they do their due diligence on the companies that they're investing in, they couldn't believe the data that was coming out of it. It did not seem realistic or accurate to them. And when they were looking at national data coming out versus the company data that they were looking at, the two things would not jive together. So a lot of them pulled out altogether. Same thing if you think about China and the turmoil that's going on there, and that's potentially another conflict that's down the road as well, too, that we like to have active managers who can kind of wade through those waters and decide where to go and where to stay out of and look through to see where that really value is. And one topic that they brought up to me recently was French shoring, which is trying to shorten down our supply chains, get into countries that uh, we have better relationships with. So there's a lot of active manager ability to go in and get in front of that trend and see where they're moving or to provide value in that way. Speaking of French shoring or onshoring, it started with onshoring. This was a couple of years ago when the supply chains cropped up. The problem with onshoring is you're bringing supply chains back to the U.S. is more expensive. Labor is more expensive. So that's, a, that's inflationary. On the other hand, labor is much more efficient than overseas. So that will dampen that effect. And that effect is you're probably going to have a little higher inflation because of the onshoring or French shoring. One benefit, though, maybe it turns down the amount of time. I'm thinking of past Christmases where, you know, we'd order something in November and it'd show up in March. You know, hopefully we can get past that if that right. supply chain shortens and gets a little bit more efficient. One other opportunity is in bond yields. Uh, I don't know if people really realize it, but you got one and two year treasury bonds north of 4%. Don't have to be specific about it, but they're treasury yields north of 4%. You also have money markets, money market mutual funds that are paying two and a quarter to two and a half, it depends on the custodian, but you have to purchase those money markets. And so we've regularly gone in to purchase these money markets for clients to get that higher yield. Otherwise, they may sit in cash and not earn as high a yield as they could have. And then lastly, with threats, you know, I think of the geopolitical instability that we were just talking about, the war with Russia and Ukraine, potential issues with China, all those things pop up continuously throughout time. And that's always an issue that we have to deal with. So I think that's one of the biggest threats when we look internationally. And where that ties into the investment and the portfolio and the management you were talking about is that that potential event risk geopolitically is just that. And it has an effect on sentiment, and you'll see it in the volatility in the markets. Fundamentally, it might have some effect, but you'll see these from time and time again that it's a small country has really an economic impact, small, but it has a big impact in terms of sentiment. So that's what is probably adding to the negative sentiment, which is mostly at an all-time low right now in terms of U.S. stocks. And the only thing I'd add to that is that while the sentiment's really poor, and that might be a contrarian indicator, you need capitulation in this market to really find a a buying opportunity in U.S. stocks, which you're going to get, and we suspect it'll be before the end of the year. But the market's are going to bottom before the economy bottoms. So people shouldn't make the two the same, that the economy is in recession and it's terrible. The market will see that six, nine months ahead of time and bottom ahead of time. I I know it's a little off track, but I just wanted to get that in there. And we wrap the pot up and go around the room, our headline strength. Yeah, to me, it's natural resources. I think that's the clear strength when we look internationally, especially EM. Probably still the labor market. Headline weakness. The dollar strength. It's a strength of the U.S., but it's a weakness abroad. What's our headline opportunity? Emerging markets. And our headline threat? More political instability across the world. Matt Moore is the investment team manager. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. Jason Cooper, trader, research analyst. Thank you. 
Thank you. And Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management, LLC, nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.